This is an Our Savior Evangelical Free Church podcast. To learn more, visit osefc.org. Well, at this time, we are going to be in Romans 8, verses 22 to 25. Before we're there, let's pray together online in the room. Let's join together in seeking the face and the help of God. Our great Lord and King, you are worthy of all honor and glory. Everything you have made will be redeemed, including our very bodies and everything around us that we can see. For those who are in Christ, a glorious future awaits us. We pray that that would be our focus this morning. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would teach us by bringing to life these words that speak of such an abundant inheritance we have in you. I pray for help and for guidance. Whether we are here in the room or gathered together through the internet. God, would you unite us in heart and mind to Christ through the word, the power of the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Before I read Romans 8, to 25, I want to read something that Jesus said. In Matthew 16, starting at verse 24, Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Let's start out with a question. What did Jesus mean when he said that a person trying to save his or her life loses it, but a person willing to lose their life finds it? He means there is a way to live where all you are doing is better characterized as working on dying, and there is a way to live where once you see it, and it's not going to come naturally, but once your eyes are supernaturally opened to see it, you will find it, and you will find that that's the way to truly live. To not just have life in this life, but forever and ever and ever. And the difference is in another question. How do you know whether you are working on dying or whether you have found true life? The answer to that is, in another question, what do you really want? What's most important to you? What are you after? What's your heart's desire? If the, the things and the promises of this world are what you long for most, then even if you get all that you want, even if you can grab and take hold of everything that you're after, Whatever you can hold in your hands or whatever you attain will only last for a little while. And the life you have worked so hard to grab hold of, you will watch as it quickly fades away. Because that's what happens to the things that this world values. Eternally speaking, they don't, they don't last very long. On the other hand... If the deepest desire of your heart, if the things that you care most about that you really want are God, 
God, the things of God, his spirit, what is worthwhile in his kingdom, so much so that, that you are willing to even let go of some of the things that people are chasing after in this world, that you are even willing to let go of some of the things that the world finds valuable, then you will find a much richer, deeper, and more meaningful life than anything the world can possibly offer you. And when Paul wrote the letter to the Romans, and he's talking about the difference between hoping in what we can see and hoping in what we cannot see, which is where we're going in Romans, he is saying the same thing that Jesus said. Hoping in the things of this world won't get you very far. They won't last very long. In fact, it's so futile, both Paul and Jesus would actually say it's more like dying than really living. But if you hope in the world to come, even for the poorest and the weakest, the feeblest, the most down and out among us, in this world there awaits such a glorious life that it's hardly worth spending time comparing to the meager existence we have in this one in comparison to the riches of the life to come. That's what Romans 8, 22 to 25 is about. So let's read that. If you brought your device, if you brought your own Bible, if you've got one at home, let's read it together. Starting at verse 22. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes in what he sees? But if we have hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Prior to these verses, it says that, that being a Christian doesn't exempt a person from suffering. In fact, for the Christian, we may even face suffering in this world because of our faith. But what will be revealed for the Christian, for people who are in Christ, is so great that we shouldn't let a little momentary suffering stand in our way of taking a hold of Jesus and pursuing him wholeheartedly in this life. The, the previous verses that we were in, so that it's not only people who feel this way, that now there's suffering, that now there's futility, but there is a great life to come. It actually says that all of creation feels that way. The picture is that creation itself kind of comes to life. And it's said that creation is groaning and it's waiting for redemption. What we have here is this emerging idea that everything you see, everything around you is a shadow of what it's meant to be. And now in verse 22, we see again, we kind of pick it up again with creation. And this time it's using the picture of groaning through childbirth. I've been in the delivery room. I've heard people talk about the miracle of birth. But you know what I've never heard anybody celebrate? The pain of childbirth. 
I've never seen a new dad show me a picture of a wife in labor, and I've never heard a new mom talk about how awesome that part of it was. That's because the point of the pain is not the pain itself. It's what comes after the pain. Childbirth is, or child labor pain is worth it because of what comes after the baby, the new life, a life that gets to start. The miracle of childbirth isn't the pain, it's the baby. It's what comes after. And the reason Paul uses this as a picture is because he knows that this life can be difficult. And there is pain. But he doesn't want us to focus there. He doesn't want us to stop there because that's not really the point of his message. He's saying that after the groaning, after the pain, not just for creation, but for you, Christian, if you're in Christ... There might be pain, but on the other side of that pain, there is a life, and it's so glorious and full that the relatively little pain, really quick, I want to fully acknowledge that I've never given birth. I know I always get nervous about childbirth analogies because women are like, little pain, let me tell you about little pain. Paul is doing this, Paul, okay, your argument is not with me, see it for yourself, Your argument is with Paul. Paul is the one talking about little pain compared to great life. But there is little pain, and on the other side of it is great life. What I want to do is I want to point out something here. I want to point out something about Romans 8. As we're studying in Romans 8, and we're talking about great life on the other side of momentary pain or little pain in this life, we would expect as Christians who know our Bibles that there might be a word in here, and I want to show us that it's not present at all in Romans 8. Nowhere in this section or in this chapter at all, it's only twice actually in the book of Romans, once at the beginning, once at the end, does it say the word heaven? Romans 8 is all about a glorious future and a glorious life, but it never says the word heaven. Over and over again, it says creation. And I think that's really helpful, Christians. Friends, I think it's really helpful that it talks about it this way. Well, heaven's a great word, and, it, and it's a wonderful picture, fabulous picture of the way it is with God, I think heaven for us as Christians becomes a little bit more like a tropical destination, like Hawaii, or better yet, rather than, rather than Hawaii, someplace like Tahiti or Bora Bora. And I use those two examples because I know where Hawaii is. I can show you that on a map. I actually don't know where Tahiti or Bora Bora are. I have no idea. I just hear people talk about them, and they're faraway places with beautiful, lush, fabulous beaches, and people go there to relax and enjoy themselves. That's all I know about Tahiti and Bora Bora. I, I, I literally do not know if they're in the Atlantic or in the Pacific or where. And don't show me afterward. I don't care. That's actually the point. The point is that sometimes Christians think of heaven a little bit like we think of Hawaii. I know where Hawaii is. Got a picture of what Hawaii is, maybe a little bit more even like Tahiti or Bora Bora. I don't know where they are. They seem so mysterious. They seem so far away. They seem so distant from me. Here in Romans 8, 
We don't have a picture of a faraway, mysterious place that one day we'll go that we can't really think much about, like for me, Tahiti. We have a picture, we're getting a description of a place that's much like the one we currently live in. When C.S. Lewis described Aslan's country, which is an allegory for heaven, in the Chronicles of Narnia series, the very end of the series in the last battle, the Pevensey children, who are sort of some of the focus of the books, are standing before they can see Narnia. And they say, it looks like Narnia, we recognize it, but the colors are more vibrant. Somehow the mountains seem taller. They seem more distant and closer to us all at the same time. And then they go into Aslan's country, and it's just a whole chapter of them going up and in and up and in and finding more and more. And I think that's the picture of heaven that we're being offered here in Romans 8. It is not some far off and distant place that I don't even know where it is on the map, and I only imagine it's pretty great. It's some place that looks a little bit like this, a lot like this one, only a little brighter, only a little bigger, only a little bit more refined, only a little bit more vibrant. Verses 18 to 25 form this little mini section of, of Romans 8. And in that section, Paul talks about creation four times, never using the word heaven, it's creation that appeals regularly, appears regularly. So folks, the, the, the glorious life that is ours in Christ with God doesn't take place in some far off, mysterious place difficult for us to imagine. It happens here in this creation. And the same thing is actually true of your bodies. Verse 23 says, we're awaiting the redemption of our bodies. It also calls it the adoption as sons. It would also mean daughters too. And the point here is that if there, if there is going to be suffering, it will only be thought of as momentary. And whatever that suffering is, it might be suffering because of the brokenness of creation. It might be suffering because of division in relationships, lack of unity with the people we love. It might be physical suffering in the body. The point here is that God will redeem all of that. He will give us this body, but resurrected and transformed and renewed. And he will give us this world, but restored, made whole, and no longer fighting us because of the curse of sin. And folks, that hope and promise frees us from clinging too tightly to this world. Is there something in this world that you love so dearly that you don't know if you can give it up to follow Jesus? Is there something that you're clinging to so tightly? These verses say, friend, give it up. If it's truly of God, he will give it back to you better than it ever was here. If it's not of him, he'll give you something better still. Is there something that you are fighting in this world? Fighting is a pull of this world. Is it something that you're addicted to? Is it something that you crave? Folks, give it over to him. 
that might feel like a big risk, like letting go of something that you go to for comfort or because it's familiar to you. Verses 24 and 25 begin to say this. Who hopes in, in what they can see right in front of them? That's simple and small. It's simple and small to hope for what's right in front of you. God is so much more than what's right in front of you. If you can see it, if you can hold it in your hand, if you can pick it up, folks, it's too small. It's too small to give your life to. It's too small to want deeply. God wants to give you something greater. But in order for him to do that, you have to stop looking at the things that are right in front of you, and you have to look up to what is bigger and better. That's what these verses are saying. If there's something that you love in the world, give it over to God, because in the life to come, he gives it to you better, and he gives it to you more. And he gives it to you in a greater degree than you ever thought possible. And it's something that, if it's not of him, you don't want it anyway. He'll give you something else that's better. He'll give you something else that's better. That's creation's groaning because it's going to be redeemed. It's going to get better. There's nothing in the world that doesn't get better with God. So give it over to him. Your body gets redeemed and resurrected. There's nothing that you can focus on in your body that he doesn't give back to you as better. So give your body over to him. Whatever has a hold of your mind, whatever you're addicted to, whatever you just keep going back to, whatever you dwell on, whatever you can't get over, give it over to him. Because he'll give it back to you renewed and transformed and it's going to be better. It's going to be better. The life he gives you is better. And I don't want to minimize some of the great things in the world. There are great things in the world. But if you spend too much time marveling at this place and this time, or worse yet, making this world your pursuit and your pleasure, I'm worried that, that pretty soon all you will know how to do is live for here and now. And the struggle for Christians is that we, we have to be content now. But we can't get too used to this place because this isn't our home. And we can't think that this is all there is because there's so much more. So Christians have to figure out how, how do we be content now but long for so much more? And for this also, I think we look to the Apostle Paul as, a, as an example. He figured it out. He tells us how to do it. In Philippians 1, he says for him, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. To live is Christ and to die is gain. And he fleshed that out by saying, I would prefer, this is Paul speaking, he would prefer if given the choice to go and be in the presence of Jesus forever. That would be his preference. But if that's not to happen yet, if it's not what the Lord had for him, then he was sure that he could be useful in the world and there must be something fruitful in ministry and in life for him to do. Folks, can I just offer us a word of caution? Too often for Christians, I believe we approach it the opposite. We're very content to live in this world. And too often we say, I hope I get to stay in this world, but I'm a Christian, so I guess it's okay if I go to the world to come. That's not what Paul said. To live is Christ, to die is gain, to die is more. I think we get so content in this world that it's so easy for us as followers of Jesus, even who love the Lord, to say, this world is gain, I guess, but to go to Christ will be fine. And that's the wrong way to look at it. We need to, it's the opposite way that we should be looking at it. 
What if we're constantly saying to live as Christ and to die as gain? What would that do in our thinking and in our lives? Now, I'm not, I'm not sure we've fully let go of what's here if we're not willing to say that. And so let me just flesh this out because I, think, I don't want you to be discontent in this life. I don't want you to see this life as futile and the things of this world is non is not important in any way. So let me just flesh this out. I think I, I can do this this way. I do love this world. I'm grateful for the life that God has given me. It's precious and it's sweet. And God has given me such, such abundant gifts. So here's how I think I say to live as Christ, but to die as gain. Maybe this should just be of some value for you. Now this world is a vapor. That's what it says in James. This life is a vapor. And the life to come is of such great worth and value that, that I have to long to get there. But I realize, along with Paul, him teaching me this, that God has put me here as long as he has me here for a purpose. Not only to save me, but also to use me for others and to glorify his name. So here's how I work this out. One, I love this church. And I, and I want to keep serving you. So I think there's some value in me uh, staying here for ministry to you. But, and I, I want to kind of, I want to tunnel in on a, on a better picture. Uh, if, if I were to go to be with the Lord, I think you'd find another pastor, and I think that guy would be fine, and he'd be great, and you'd, and you'd be well served. What is much more on my mind is if I were to be called home to go to be with the Lord, how does that go for me, for my wife, and for my daughters? Now, I know the Lord would take care of them. I have no doubt of that. But here's the tension. This is how we learn to do this in this world. If I am going to the Lord for his sake, and that's his will for me, then I'm great with that. But I'm hopeful that I get to stay here for a lot longer. Because I know that although the Lord would take care of them, although he would sustain them for my family, it would be really hard. And I want to spare them from that, and I want to be here for them. And there's things that I do love about this world. I want to walk my daughters down the aisle to get married. I want to see children and grandchildren. I, I want to see these things. But that's how I think Paul approached it, and that's how I think I'm approaching it in my life. It took, for me to go home to be with the Lord is a great and glorious thing. I've got no problem with that. But I desire to stay in the world because I've got a family that God has entrusted me with, a church that God has entrusted me with. I've got friends to minister to, and I've got sanctification to undergo. So I'm okay in fact, I'm more than okay. I'm glad to be here in the world as long as God has that for me. Do you see that? Can you picture that in your own life? For what purpose are you here? And that really focuses us, doesn't it? It really focuses us to say, to go to be with the Lord is gain, but to be here is Christ. So what purpose does, it, does Christ have for you in this life? For you, it might be family. It's certainly ministry. Every Christian is entrusted with one and given a spiritual gift. There are many people who are for you and who love you, who you can encourage and bless, but it gives us purpose to say, for what reason am I remaining here in the body? Folks, this is the freedom that the hope of the gospel brings to our hearts. Our world is gripped with fear and panic right now. We have injustice that's been here for so long. We have coronavirus. I don't know where the killer bees went, but we had those for a while. I think now it's dust from Africa. There's dust from Africa coming here. Next week, it's going to be something else. 
The world is gripped with panic and fear right now. The power and the freedom of the gospel, the good news that there's life in Christ now and there's better life and more life to come is the audacity to say in the middle of everything that there is to be afraid of in the world, there is hope. There is more. It's the audacity to say that the hope may start with suffering, and it may take a little while to see more, but it is coming. So in this life now, that's what I'm looking at. That's what I'm looking through. So how do we do this? How does Paul say for me to live is Christ and to die is gain? Paul, with everything that he was, kept his focus on Jesus. He looked to Jesus at all times. In Philippians 3, he said, not having a righteousness of my own, but a righteousness that comes through faith. Not having a resurrection of my own, but having one that comes from Christ. He spent all of his energy and all of his days and all of his time looking to Jesus. So how do we say to live as Christ and to die as gain? We look to Jesus. That's how we have the hope of the gospel and we live in Jesus. And we live in it. We look to Jesus. If you are a Christian in the room, online, if you're a Christian, are you looking to Jesus? It is so easy with all those things that I just mentioned. We've got the news and social media and our friends, and we don't know which way is up sometimes. How do you know if you're looking at the right things? Christians, look at Jesus. Look at his word. Be encouraged by him. Go to him in prayer. Social media is confusing. The news changes all the time, and there's always something negative. Jesus will always encourage your heart. Jesus will always remind you his love. His word will call you out of sin, but that's a great thing, and it will call you up to look to him. Spend more time looking to him than you do the things of this world. This world is redeemed by Jesus, so look at him now. If you're not a Christian, if you're watching this online and you're not a believer, come to him. Say, I don't want to look around and say that this world is all there is. To live is this world and to die is fear. Don't say that. Say, I want Jesus. I want to look to him. Invite him into your heart. Confess your sin. And say, I want to spend my days looking to him. I want to know the freedom and the hope of saying to live is Christ and to die is gain. You can come to him. You can do that right now. I was saying, come into my heart. Come into my life. Help me to look to you. Ask a Christian friend for some guidance and some help. There's a song, it's an old African-American spiritual. You might have heard a more recent version. Fernando Ortega or Jeremy Camp have done more recent versions. I tried to look for it as far back as I could go. It seems to be a spiritual um, that originated several hundred years ago and has been adapted. It's been tagged onto other things. You might have heard it on other songs, um, tagged onto the end. It's very simple. Uh, the lyrics are just very simply Give me Jesus. It's a pretty short song. Jeremy Camp's version, Fernando Ortega's version says, In the morning, 
when I rise. Give me Jesus. And the next verse in the version you might have heard says, when I am alone, give me Jesus. The original lyrics that I could find, the oldest and farthest back that I could find, says, when I approach dark midnight, give me Jesus. The last verse is, when I come to die, give me Jesus. Chorus is, give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. You can have all this world. Just give me Jesus. Make that your prayer today. You can have all this world. Just give me Jesus. Let's pray. Our God, Heavenly Father, we thank you for adopting us as sons and daughters. We live amidst a creation that groans eagerly, the hope and the expectation of being renewed, our very bodies will be transformed, resurrected, restored. The things that press us now, disease, frailty, brokenness, and death will no longer be a part of that life, but it will be joy and freedom forever and ever and ever in your presence. May that be our hope and focus. And for as long as we remain here in the body, would you give us fruitful ministry, friends, brothers and sisters in Christ to encourage and to strengthen us, a purpose to glorify your name, and the sweet joy of many things, both of your common grace and things we specifically see from your hand. You've blessed us so abundantly, God. And then we do those things in the morning and in the evening when we feel alone and when we come to die. God, give us Jesus. Help us to let the world go. Not to abandon it. We're here for it, God. We're here in it. But just give us Jesus in the midst of it. We thank you and we praise you. Amen. Our Savior Evangelical Free Church is a congregation located in Wheeling, Illinois. Our vision can be summed up in four words, building community, bringing Christ. To learn more about what these words mean, visit our website at osefc.org.